Good morning, Rock Creek Church. We're so glad that you guys are joining us for Church Online, whether you are still in bed, tuning in on your phone, or gathered on the couch with the family. Um, We just ask that you turn up the volume and join us today as we worship together. Open sky. 
introduced a new song last week called Christ Be Magnified. Um, and it's just about praying and asking that God be magnified in every aspect of our lives. Um, and even though so many of us are cloistered in our homes um, and don't know necessarily how to reach out and how to love and how Christ can be magnified, um, there's still so many things that we can do. So let it just, let that be our prayer this morning, um, that no matter where we are, no matter our circumstances, that Christ be magnified in our lives. We're creation suddenly articulate with a thousand tongues to live one cry then from north to south and east to west we'd hear Christ be magnified were the
Father, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you that we're able to join together worshiping you um, no matter where we are. Thank you that no matter where we are, you're with us um, and that we have the opportunity to praise you. God, I just pray for this morning, for the families gathered together, um, and that you be glorified in all of this. Amen. Well, good morning, Rock Creek Church. Um, we're so glad that you're joining us here today online. We have a couple of announcements before Alex kicks us off preaching, um, but I just wanted to say we're so glad that you're here online with us, that you are joining us and taking time out of your morning. We wanted to make sure that you're aware that most of our services, because we can't meet together, have moved online. So whether you're a part of a life group, a men's group, a women's group, um, we have all of these services available on our website as well as areas where you can request prayer if you have needs or if you're wanting to help fill needs um, presented by some of the members in our community. We also wanted to make note that Base Camp, our children's ministry, is online as well. We have all of the documents that you need to do Kids Church at home with your students. Um, so please check that out. Don't feel like you have to do it on a Sunday morning. You can do it anytime during the week. Um, additionally, we have a devotional that's going on every Tuesday morning online at 8 a.m. Um, we're doing that through Zoom. So if you need just a dose of community, an opportunity to pause as you get on with your week, um, that's something we'd love for you to join us with. And then finally, um, we can also want to just continue encouraging giving online. We switched um, kind of in the midst of all of this to a new giving platform. So first and foremost, if you haven't signed up to give through that, we'd encourage you to do so. We know that life has changed and giving priorities have changed, but we would still love for you to pray earnestly about what you'd feel comfortable giving. And if you don't feel comfortable giving in this time, we would just ask that you continue to pray for our church. Um, we do still function off of giving. Um, we also have, it's up on your screen, but a text to give feature. So you can text 84321, the amount that you'd like to give to kick off the process. But I'd like to just pray for Alex before we get started and then he'll do the message. Um, Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this morning, for a chance to pause and remember what's important um, and just be here with you. Lord, I pray for Alex, um, that the words that he brings today are your words, that they bring comfort, encouragement, and motivation to everyone who's watching here today um, later on this week. Thank you for his heart, for you, and just for the opportunity to come together. pray all this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, good morning. Um, this is weird for me. Uh, I'm just going to start off kicking that off. We're in a living room. I'm looking at a camera. And, um, you know, so often I'm used to, when I'm talking to you, looking at your face. So it's a little bit weird to, uh, to not be looking at you in your face. So we miss you a ton and uh, are so thankful that we get to still do this and do a live stream service. Um, but welcome, so glad that you're here, that you're tuning in. I first just want to start off by just telling you a couple small stories, things that you may not realize, because, you know, as, as crazy as all of this has been, we really do believe that God has set Rock Creek Church up well to handle this pandemic, um, to continue on functioning as a church and doing our part. Um, 
And it's, it's a, a lot of little things, you know, little things that we didn't realize that God was preparing us for. For example, the camera that we we're using to shoot this and to, to um, give you this nice quality picture is actually something we purchased a few months ago and we had a different purpose in mind, but it was something that we were able to use for this live stream. So that was huge um, that we even had this equipment lying around. Another little thing, um, the computer that is streaming, who knew? Streaming takes up a lot of computer power. I've, getting to, I've been getting to nerd out and trying to figure out how to make this happen. But our church computer that we've been using at church for the last couple of years, we, we bought it a few years ago, and some of us thought it was overkill. We're like, do we really need a computer that, that is this beefed up spec-wise? Well, it's exactly what we needed for this season. So little things like that. But um, beyond that, I mean, some bigger things, the role change that we did just at the beginning of this year when we hired Miranda to take on student ministries and uh, shifted me more into an associate role, that has set us up so well because our, Miranda is killing it. She's doing such a great job. She's caring for our young people. And it's allowed me to, especially when all this stuff went down uh, for the first time, it, I got to focus almost exclusively on trying to make sure that this worked. So it's been a lot of things, um, a lot, a lot of things that God has set us up well. And those are just a few of the small things, but uh, just know that God is faithful to us as a church. He's faithful to you as an individual as well, but he's, he's prepared us for this. Um, but there's a lot of storms. Right? In the midst of all this, it's been pretty hard. Um, I know for some of you individually, this has been a really, really hard season. For some of us, honestly, for me so far, it's, you know, it's been harder, but it hasn't been astronomically harder. But We've had storms. Uh, there's a lot of storms that have been going on. Little things like this week we got to celebrate Amanda's birthday, which was great. A little weird to do that in containment, in, in quarantine. I didn't get to take her out to dinner or do anything nice for her outside of the house. Um, and I know some of you are, have gotten to celebrate birthdays this week as well. Today's Brian's birthday, so give him a shout out. He's getting older, um, which everybody likes to hear. Uh, but I also saw Abigail Russo, you, you turned 18 this week. That's awesome. Congrats. Enjoy it, even though you're cooped up with your family. Um, but in the midst of all this, it's, it's just created a weird set of circumstances for us. And storms are a part of life. But I know that in this season, some of us are experiencing harder storms than we would have ever imagined. But lucky, luckily for us, our God has experience with storms. And this is what I want to share with you this morning. I want to share with you a passage that is near and dear to my heart, something that God used. It's, it's a very specific passage that about 11 years ago, God used to speak to me so clearly and so directly that I've held on to it for 11 years. I remember it. I look back on that time of my life fondly for a time where God spoke to me. And so I want to share that with you because I think it's really pertinent to, to what's going on. But just in general in life, I really hope that this would be a blessing to you. So I want to turn to Matthew 8, verses 23 through 27. If you don't have a Bible uh, at home, or if, well, one, I'd encourage you, if you have a Bible at home, turn with me and get into your own Bible. But if you don't, the, the verses will be on the screen as well. But Matthew 8, 23 through 27. And when Jesus got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was being swamped by the waves but he was asleep. And they went and woke him saying, save us, Lord, we're perishing. And he said to them, why are you afraid? Oh, you of little faith. Then he rose and rebuked the winds and the sea. And there was a great calm. And the men marveled saying, what sort of man is this? 
that even winds and sea obey him. This is the word of the Lord for us today. Um, And I just want to open up in prayer before we continue on. Jesus, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for your word. I pray that you would speak to us through it. That wherever we're at, that you would you would just give us a touch individually to help us to know that you love us, that you care for us, that you are our Father in heaven, and that you are with us in every circumstances or in every circumstance, including now. So we thank you, Jesus. Speak to us, bless us in our homes and our living rooms as we stay uh, in place. <laughs> um, but Father, more than anything, would you be glorified in this time? So we thank you, Jesus, and pray this in your name. Amen. All right. So this is a story that some of you may have heard before. It's a profound story, but it's also one that we've heard quite a few times, I'm sure. If you, I mean, if you spend any amount of time in church, you've probably heard this story, and you've probably heard it several times. But I want to encourage you, if you've heard this story before, and if you may be thinking, okay, I know where he's going with this, please stop yourself from assuming you know where I'm going to be going, or stop yourself from assuming you know where God's word is going. Because when we assume we know where God's word is going, we close ourselves off to the new thing that he's trying to say. I don't know if you've ever thought about that, but you know, I, I wrestle with this a lot. I have to tell myself this all the time because so, it's so often when I come to scripture, I'm like, okay, I kind of know the story. I know the gist of it. And I want to jump to the end. When I do that, we close ourselves off to what God may be trying to say. He might be trying to say something new to us. Hebrews 4.12 tells us this. He says, for the, it says, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning thoughts and intentions of the heart. And so, long story short, the Bible is alive. It's God's word. It's alive. It's living. It's active. God continues to speak to us through it all the time. He can use the same passage and speak to you 30 different ways in 30 different days. He can continue to speak to you in, in, in brand new ways through the same passages. So I just want to encourage you to open yourself up to this passage and listen. Listen for God's voice. Don't listen for just new knowledge or new insights. Listen for God's voice and what he may be trying to tell you today. So let's get into this story. Again, I want to encourage you to get into it. Imagine yourself in this story and let this story invade your life a little bit. Let this story speak to your circumstances. Just open yourself up in there and, and, and let's get into it. Verse 23 And when Jesus got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great storm in the sea, so that the boat was being swamped by the waves. But he was asleep. Jesus was asleep. Kind of interesting, right? Okay, again, get into this picture, uh, into this story. The boat is being swamped by the waves. And what I love about this passage, you know, some of the most important stories in the Gospels are show up in multiple Gospels. This one shows up in three of them. So this story also shows up in Luke's Gospel and in Mark's Gospel. And it gives us some more insights, right? Some, um, they, they tell the story from their vantage point, right? So Mark's Gospel, he says that the waves were breaking into the boat. And in Luke's Gospel, he says the boat was filled with water. And this is not a big boat, right? The, the New Testament era, the, the, the boats that they used for fishing were v- pretty small. They're probably about 20 to 30 feet long and maybe seven feet wide. So you can imagine if, if water is pouring into the boat, 
Jesus is getting wet. I don't know how he's sleeping. This is one of those stories where you're just like, what in the world is going on? You know, it almost makes me wonder if uh, he's pretending to sleep just to mess with his disciples. I don't know. But we're told that he was asleep. He was asleep. And his disciples are, are afraid for their lives. Jesus is sleeping. So the first thing I want you to, to hear from this is that Jesus is not scared of your storm. He isn't scared of your storm. Whatever you're going through, he's not worried. He's not in panic mode. He's not fretting about how it's all going to end. And I know our vantage point's different, like we're in the middle of it and we don't get to see the end result, but God does and he isn't afraid. He is so not worried that he is able to completely sleep through the storm. And I mean, if we really think about this, this, this can challenge us in the way that we think about our circumstances, right? When I say that, that God isn't afraid of our storms, most of us would be like, yeah, duh, he's God. But again, if this is our God, if he is our heavenly father, if we are his children, if he is faithful to us and he is not scared, then why are we? it forces us to think a little bit more closely at our internal thought process, at our disposition toward our circumstances. So what do they do next? The disciples, verse 25, they went and woke him saying, save us, Lord, we are perishing. So they went and woke Jesus up, you know, and who knows, this is a very short story. Who knows how much time has passed? It could have been I don't know, 10 minutes. It could have been a couple hours. Who knows? Maybe they've been fighting to try to navigate through this storm for a while. But eventually they go to wake up Jesus because they don't know what else to do. We always think that this is a good thing, right? That's the response we're supposed to have as as people, right? This is the response we want people to have. When when things are hard, we want people to run to Jesus, Jesus and say, Lord, save us. But if we think about it and we think about these circumstances, what, what are they really wanting from Jesus? They're wanting Jesus to simply calm their circumstances, to take them away, to make their lives easy, right? And it makes me wonder how often do I, how often do we run to God only when things are hard and all that we want from him is to make our lives easy, to take away the hard circumstances. It just makes me wonder, you know? And in and, and this specific story, I don't fault them. I really don't, right? These are not amateurs. The, the disciples were afraid for their lives. They were professional fishermen. They've navigated these waters before. They've probably navigated quite a few storms, right? They're not amateurs. Their lives are prov- probably on the line in this story. So I don't fault them for for going to Jesus to this, but again, it raises that question because if they really knew who Jesus was, who it was that was sleeping in their boat, would they still be afraid? I mean, if Jesus wasn't in the boat, then absolutely they'd be terrified, right? But again, it raises that question. I don't fault them, but it raises that question. What did they think about Jesus? Who did they think, what did they believe about this man who was sleeping in their boat? And if you can imagine with me, they probably had a lot of thoughts running through their mind before they actually decided to go wake Jesus up. 
their minds were probably running, right? Probably running with, does Jesus even care? Like what, how is he able to sleep through this? Does he even care if we die? You know, I bet he's going to be completely fine. I mean, Jesus is Jesus. He seems like a pretty powerful guy. If, he di- if we die, maybe he won't even care. Their minds can wander and jump to conclusions that aren't true. And in Mark's gospel, I find this a little bit more honest, but in Mark's gospel, he records that the disciples even asked Jesus, do you even care? They said that to him. Do you even care that we're dying? Do you even care? And I, I will, again, I wonder how many of us this morning are asking God that same question. Jesus, do you even care? Do you even care what I'm going through right now? Are you there? Are you listening? What's going on? Have you abandoned me? Do you even care what happens to me? Do you even care? And if we ask this question in a vacuum, which often, I mean, more often than not, that's kind of what we do as Christians. If we ask, does Jesus care in a vacuum? The answer is obvious. Yes. Of course he cares. Yeah, God, he's love. He cares. Of course he does. But when you hit your storm, the question or the answer to that question can be a little bit more fuzzy or it can be harder to come by. When jobs are lost, when loved ones die, when there's a cancer diagnosis, when families are broken, when spring semester of your senior year just suddenly vanishes and you may never get to live it, when you're isolated, alienated, or lonely, when maybe you or a family member has been tested positive for COVID-19 and you're worried, does Jesus even care? That's an honest question to ask and it's a thing, something that we can wrestle with together. But again, if we know who Jesus is, if we hold on to the truth that we know when things are good, if we hold on to those things when things are bad, it makes a big difference. So I want to go to Jesus' response. They wake him up, right? So they run to him, Jesus, save us. We're perishing. We're dying, right? Jesus gets up and he says, why are you afraid, O you of little faith? A few piercing words. Why are you afraid, O you of little faith? So Jesus' response to their fear is, why are you afraid? And I, I think I've, found, I've realized this about myself this week. I've, I think I've too often read these words from Jesus as being condemning and angry. You know, looking down at his disciples, being like, what is wrong with you? Why are you afraid? Like, you have so little faith. What is wrong with you? Like, that's, that's almost how I've read those words. But now I'm starting to see them in a different light. Um, the more and more I lean into fatherhood, Teddy is a little over three years old now, and now we have baby Henry who's two months. Um, the more that I read these words differently, because, I mean, think about it. When, when Teddy is afraid, if, you, if you're a parent, you know this well. If your kids are afraid, of something. Typically, it's something that they don't really need to be afraid of, right? For Teddy, you know, it's, it's if something's dark or if there's a loud noise um, or if we're just not even in the room with him, sometimes he'll get afraid. And for us, it's like, okay, well, you don't need to be afraid. Like, come on. But our response to him is always parental, right? We come to him and say, well, Teddy, why are you afraid? You don't have to be afraid. It's okay. We're here. We're here for you. Like, don't, don't, it's okay. Yeah, it's dark, but we're here. 
And I think that that's how Jesus wanted his disciples to hear this. Jesus was just yearning for his disciples to know who he was and what his heart for them was. He says, why are you afraid? I'm here. (laughs) Why are you afraid? And the OU of little faith, yeah, that can kind of come off a little bit harsh. But really what he's saying is like, just trust me. You're not trusting me right now. And that's what I do when I look at Teddy. I'm like, Teddy, you're not trusting me. It's okay. I'm here. And I love you. And I don't want you to be afraid. But all you have to do is trust me a little bit more. Trust that I am who I say I am. And that I would move heaven and earth to protect you. So Jesus' statement, why are you afraid? Oh, you have little faith. I think it's coming from a compassionate standpoint. And he may be trying to tell you that this morning. It's like, why are you afraid? It's okay. I'm here. I'm in these circumstances with you. I'm here in your storm. And then what did Jesus do next? At the end of verse 26, then he rose and rebuked the winds and the sea. And there was a great calm. He calms their storm. He didn't have to. Have you ever reflected on that? Jesus didn't have to calm their storm. He could have just been done with that statement. Hey, why are you afraid? I'm here. You'll be fine. And then he could have gone back to sleep. And they probably would have been fine, right? I don't think that Jesus was going to let them die. He probably could have let the storm continue. But he calmed it anyway. And see, the point that I want to draw out of this is that the storm is not the point. The point is that he is sovereign over the storm. That's the point of this story, is that Jesus is sovereign over the storm, period. The circumstances don't make a lick of difference of the truth of who Jesus is. He calmed their circumstances. But if he didn't, he would have been the same. Would have been the same God. He would have been the same loving, faithful, protecting God who was with them. The truth of who Jesus was did not change. And so wherever we find ourselves this morning, our circumstances do not dictate God's character. They just don't. And he's with you. And like I said, sometimes that's really easy to believe and hold on to when things are good. But we can't hold on to those things just when things are good. We have to hold on to those truths when things are bad too. Because they're true regardless. And then Jesus to me, or not Jesus, sorry, uh, the disciples to me have a surprising response. In verse 27, the men marveled saying, what sort of man is this that even the winds and sea obey him? If you think about it, they've already been walking with Jesus a decent amount. They've probably seen a handful of miracles. They understand a little bit of his power. And you know what? Two verses earlier, they just called him Lord. And then two verses later, they're like, wait, who is this? Who is this man? That he's powerful enough to do this. See, they called him Lord, but they didn't know who he was. They called him Lord, but they didn't know what kind of Lord he was. And so I want to to challenge you potentially this morning Are you calling out to Jesus as Lord without actually knowing what kind of Lord he is? Are you calling Jesus Lord without actually knowing who he is? 
And I'm not saying that's a bad thing because like, we, we should always be calling on the name of Jesus and he will reveal himself to us. There's a starting place. But, but Jesus wants to lead us more and more into a deeper understanding of who he is so that when we call on his name, we know and we can trust that he will be faithful to us and that he is powerful over all of our circumstances, that he is sovereign over our storms. Again, thinking about parenthood. That's what I want for my son. I want my son to know who I am. When I tell him, Teddy, why are you afraid? Like, you don't need to be afraid. I'm here. I'm here. I want him to understand my heart that I will protect him with everything that I have. I just want him to know that more on a deeper level and trust it on a deeper level. So wherever you find yourself this morning, even if you are questioning who Jesus is, even if you don't really have a relationship with him, or maybe you've been walking with him for 30, 40, 50 years. Seek him in this storm. Seek him in your storm. And he will show up. He's with you. We always need to be seeking Jesus, but especially in the storm, our tendency is to actually focus on our circumstances. Our tendency is to look at the things that are chaotic and going awry, right? We want to look at the waves, but we should be looking at the one who walks on the waves. There's another story in scripture. Jesus, like I said, our God has a lot of experience with storms. There's another story in scripture where the disciples find themselves in a storm. Jesus isn't in the boat, but he walks to them on the water. And his disciples are freaking out. They're looking at the storm, but they, they see this man off in the distance. And Peter, who Jesus calls out to the water, Peter has to fixate on Jesus not, not on the waves, he has to fixate on Jesus, on the one who's walking on the waves so that he has the power to walk to Jesus. It's the moment that he looks away and gets distracted that he falls. So look to him, seek him wherever you're at. I wanna tell you um, a recent story. With, I keep bringing Teddy up. Um, I, love, I love Teddy so much. He is such a blessing to us. Um, but one story in particular to give you some specifics. One night, this was probably, I don't know, a couple months ago. Uh, one night, Teddy woke up in the middle of the night and had to go to the bathroom. So he comes out of his room like he normally does. Normally he does it while we're still awake downstairs. But he, he did it when we were asleep. And so the house was dark. He opens his door and can't see a thing. So he starts screaming. I mean, he's yelling, I have to go potty, I have to go potty. But he's yelling at the top of his lungs, like screeching. So I, I jump out of bed because I hear my son's voice. I run out of our bedroom door and I find him there screaming. And it took me a little while to calm him down. But again, I was with him and I said, Teddy, it's okay. It's okay, I'm here, it's okay. Why are you afraid? What's going on? And of course I knew it was because it was dark uh, and he couldn't see. But I'm like, Teddy, you don't have to be afraid. It's okay, I'm here. And finally, I got him to calm down, took him to the bathroom, and then I put him back to bed. Well, because I didn't want that to happen again, that week I went out and bought him a fancy nightlight that he is now obsessed with. He is literally obsessed with this nightlight. It's so silly, but it's, it's beautiful. Um, every almost every time he sees this nightlight, he tells me, he's like, Daddy, tell me the story. Tell me the story. And I'm like, what, is, what are you talking about? He's like, tell me the story of when I got afraid and the nightlight. And so... He loves for me to tell him this story. And it's literally, I'm telling him a story of when he got afraid and he yelled for me and I came and I got him a nightlight. So he's, he's really obsessed with it. And it's kind of funny, but 
in one light, I look at that, I'm like, Teddy, why do you want me to share this story with you so much? (laughs) And he'll have me tell it like two or three or four times in a row. But it's occurred to me, perhaps he's holding on to a moment where he was afraid and his dad showed up. A moment where his dad intervened and calmed his storm and gave him a tool, a nightlight, so that he wouldn't have to be afraid anymore if that circumstance played out again. And that's exactly how God has used this passage for me. I said at the beginning that 11 years ago, roughly, God spoke to me directly with this passage. And I, I don't want to go into a ton of detail, but all that to say, I was, I was 19. I was still a rel- relatively young Christian. And uh, I found myself, I was a camp counselor this one summer. I found myself in a set of circumstances that seemed impossible to me. Um, I was given a cabin that was just a wall, and I didn't know how to handle it. So yeah, my life was not on the line, but for me, 19-year-old Alex in that moment, I was like, I don't know how I'm going to get through this week. Well, the next morning, I opened my Bible and just flipped randomly, opened a page, and my eyes gravitated immediately to this passage in Matthew 8. And I read it, and Jesus' words pierced my heart. Why are you afraid, O you of little faith? And I didn't take that negatively. I took that so positively. I took that as God was speaking to me directly saying, Alex, I'm with you. You don't have to be afraid. You do not have to be afraid. I'm here. And you're going to get through this week. So I closed my Bible and I had a ton of confidence. I realized, okay, God is with me even now. And I'm going to get through this week. And I thought that was the end of the story. But then two hours later, God calmed my storm. He, he took me out of my cabin. There were some sicknesses going on with some of the other counselors and they needed me to put me somewhere else. So they just moved me into a different cabin. And my storm was calmed. It ended up being one of my favorite weeks of the year. I connected with the guys in that cabin more than any other week that I had that entire summer. Jesus calmed my storm and it felt like a hug from my heavenly father because he didn't have to do that. He very well could have left me in my storm and have just given me the confidence to know that he's there with me, but he calmed it anyway. So I hold on to this passage years later. Like I said, 11 years later, I hold on to this, not just the passage, but that experience with my God of how he showed up and how he spoke to me and how he calmed my storm. He intervened in my life and I hold on to that because it's, it's experiences like that that help me in the other storms that I face. It's that moment that helped me understand more of who God was and more of his heart for me so I can hold on to it. So wherever you're at, I know some of the storms that you were going through. Um, I don't know where everyone is at, but some of the storms that I know are going on in our congregation break my heart, and they're hard. And I don't have easy answers for you. But I want to encourage you and help you to understand and know that, that God is with you. He really is. Seek him in your storm. Lean on him. And just see how he shows up. You know, for some of you, God may be getting ready to calm your storm. That might, that might be in the pipes for you. For some of you, Jesus is still sleeping and you don't know how long he's going to sleep but you can still trust that he's there. 
And for some of you, there may be an insta- there may be instances where God will not calm your storm and he's going to allow you to go through it, but he's going to be with you every step of the way. So no matter where you're at, I just want to encourage you to lean into him. Lean into scripture. Lean in to what he has for you and trust that he is for you. I want to end with uh, the Apostle Paul's words in Romans 8, 38 through 39. You may hear me bring this up a handful of times on Sunday morning. It's one of my favorite passages, one of the ones that I hold on to the most. But Paul says, For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God, the love of, well, okay, I'm reading this wrong. I can read. <laughs> um, can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing. So in this season, in these circumstances, don't focus on the waves. Focus on the one who's walking on the waves. The one who has everything under control. It may be hard, but he's got it. I want to give you a couple quick action steps that you can do to put this into practice. First and foremost, open your Bible. Open your Bible and read, because I I can tell you firsthand, if I didn't open my Bible 11 years ago, God never could have used that passage to speak to me in that moment. It was a special experience that I could have missed out on. Open your Bible and expect God to meet you there, to speak to you. Spend as much time as it takes reading these pages until you hear his voice. Lean into scripture, lean into prayer, talk to him. Lift up the people around you, lift up your families and your neighbors and your communities and our country in prayer to God. That's such an important work for us to do. And I also just wanna encourage you to lean into the church, lean into Rock Creek Church. If you call this church your home, lean in. Again, like we've been saying regularly, we have as many of our ministries as we can online as possible. We've been getting them online so that you can continue to engage with us, engage with each other, and that we as a church can stay unified in this pandemic and continue to move forward, right? Jesus, his work, his ministry has not stopped because of this. It's continuing, and we want you to be a part of it. So head to the website. That's one of the best places to look uh, for any of these updates. If you're not a part of a life group, join a life group. Our life groups are still meeting online. It's a great, great time to lean in there. If you need any help, we've got forms and things on our website, things for you to engage in. Um, Teach your kids. Take parenting seriously. If you're all cooped up at home, we're trying to give you tools for base camp to, to run things at home, to teach your kids, to do some activities. Take that seriously because ultimately God has placed responsibility on raising and teaching your kids on you. So lean in. Trust that God is with you and trust in his character, in his goodness, in his faithfulness, because that will never change. Let me pray for you, Rock Creek Church. Uh, Jesus, we thank you so much for this morning. We thank you so much for your word and for how you continually use the same pages to speak to us in brand new ways 2,000 years after you walked the earth. I thank you for this church. I'm so grateful for this church and for these people. Thank you for technology, for the ability to continue to meet and do things online.
without putting ourselves at risk or others at risk. But Father, I pray that you would touch our hearts, help us to move into a deeper understanding of who you are, of your character, of your goodness, of your faithfulness. Would you speak to us individually and give us something we can hold on to? Give us an experience or an encounter where we can look back 5, 10, 15, 20 years down the line and say, my God spoke to me and encouraged me in that moment. But Jesus, most importantly, we just pray that you would be glorified and raised on high in this time. Would you be made famous in the midst of these circumstances that more and more people would come to know you, to put their trust and their faith in you, to ultimately be saved by your grace. So I thank you, Jesus, for everything that you're, you're doing, the things that we don't notice, the things that, that we are unaware of, and the things that we are aware of. I thank you for your work and pray that you would continue to be glorified. Pray all this in your name, Jesus. Amen. I'm going to read from Psalm 91. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare of the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God, and I am trusting him. For he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from the fatal plague. He will shield you with his wings. He will shelter you with his feathers. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. Do not be afraid of the terrors of the night, nor fear the dangers of the day, nor dread the plague that stalks in the darkness, nor the disaster that strikes at midday. Though a thousand fall at your side, though ten thousand are dying around you, these evils will not touch you. But you will see it with your eyes. You will see how the wicked are punished. If you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the Most High your shelter, no evil will conquer you. No plague will come near your dwelling. For he orders his angels to protect you wherever you go. They will hold you with their hands to keep you from striking your foot on a stone. You will trample down lions and poisonous snakes. You will crush fierce lions and serpents under your feet. The Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name. When they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue them and honor them. I will satisfy them with a long life and give them my salvation. As we um, sing these last couple of songs together, um, especially this last one we're going to sing, it is well. Um, in the bridge here, there's a part that says the waves and wind still know his name. The waves and wind of all of our storms know who our Father is. They can be calmed by him, and he knows them. He created, he created the waves and winds of the world, and he is with us through everything. Um, so I encourage you just to hold that near to your heart um, as we sing these last couple of songs together.
could sing it as well. It is
today Rock Creek Church um, we just pray that as you go through your week you remember who is with you in your storm um, whether he's about to calm it or he's going to walk you through it um, and we just pray too that if you are going through a storm or a season where you need help and support please reach out to us we'd love to help in any way we can and at the very least we'd love to pray with you um, so thank you and go in peace